0: preach to you a message called The Castaway for Christ. We welcome our friends on Facebook who are joining us. We pray that this service has been a blessing to you and we invite everyone who has a copy of God's Word to turn to Acts chapter 28. Yes, we finally made it. 42 messages later. Here we are at the end of the book of Acts chapter 28. We'll be looking at the first 10 verses this morning as you find your place. I want to tell you about a man named Alexander Duff. He was one of the first foreign missionaries to sail from Scotland's shores in the year 1829. At just 23 years old, this young man was committed to taking the gospel to India with his new bride. But on the way, the passenger ship which he was aboard, called the Lady Holland, was shipwrecked off a few miles from the coast of India. And Duff and his wife were nearly shaken out of their barracks when the Lady Holland run aground on a shallow reef. They survived by finding shelter in the wreckage, and they were saved the next day and brought to the beach. And sometime later, a few days after, as Duff looked out across that wreckage, he noticed something bobbing in the ocean. All of his possessions had been lost, all his clothes and his books, volumes of 800 or so, had fallen to the bottom of the sea. And he had lost everything, except as he looked out over the ocean, he saw one thing bobbing on the waves. And he waited and he watched as it floated toward him, and it was close enough for him to wade out, and finally he retrieved it. And as he got closer, he realized that the one object of that shipwreck that had survived was his Bible. Of all his precious books aboard that ship, he had a moment of praise and worship with the Lord, and he took it as a sign as he held that waterlogged Bible that this book alone was worth more than all of the other volumes that he had lost put together. And so Duff assembled his fellow survivors on the beach. And then he read Psalm 107. And they read the Traveler's Psalm. And soon, using that Bible, Alexander Duff began his first class, his first Sunday school class with five little boys. They met under a shade tree, and he taught them the simple truths of the Word of God. And a few weeks later, that class had grown to 300. And so began the ministry of Alexander Duff, planting a church in India. And so Alexander Duff, that experience that he had, shows us that God often uses detours to get us to our destination. He made it to India by way only of a shipwreck. And friend, one thing that we learn, that the will of God is not always a straight line from point A to point B. Along the way, there are all kinds of detours and delays and difficulties. And that was certainly true in the life of the Apostle Paul as well. And so for several chapters now, Paul has been on his way to Rome. And just like Alexander Duff, who I mentioned, Paul washed ashore like a shipwreck. It's been two years now since he first got word from Jesus that he was being sent to Rome to preach. We read about that in Acts 23 and verse 11. And then that same promise that he would arrive safely in Rome was restated in Acts 27 verses 23 and 24 as Paul and 275 other sailors were tossed about by the winds and the waves and that terrible storm there in the Mediterranean. And so Paul was bound for Rome. God had planned out the route, and no storm or no setback could keep him from arriving. But as providence would have it, before Paul arrived in Rome, God sent his man on a three-month detour. And so as we open Acts 28, we find Paul and company has been shipwrecked on the island of Malta. And these men have washed ashore like driftwood. They're coughing up seawater. They're picking seaweed out of their beards. And here we see Paul now in a holdover journey. And what we learn about this passage is how God uses detours in our lives. And there's three lessons here today from Acts 28 about divine detours that I hope we can learn and apply to our lives. The first lesson is this. Number one, a divine detour will take you to an unplanned place. Now that seems very self-explanatory. But a divine detour will take you, number one, to an unplanned place. Let's read verses 1 and 2 together. After we were brought safely through... We then learned that the island was called Malta, and the native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and was cold. Now, if you look at a map, you'll notice that Malta is about 58 miles south of Sicily, which is right off the boot of Italy. Malta, we are told, is a tiny piece of real estate, 17 miles long and 9 miles wide. The island was discovered by the Phoenicians, and in their tongue when they named the island, that name Malta means refuge. And it's safe to say that as we study this passage, Malta was not part of Paul's original travel plans. He never intended to go there. The only reason that Paul found himself on this rocky outcrop was that was because the winds and the waves had just so happened to carry him there. So get this in your minds. Malta was a detour. The destination was Rome. And what we see here from this passage is that when the Lord charts a course for our lives... He promises to get us to the destination, but rarely, friend, does He tell us about the detours that He has planned for us along the way. Have you ever ended up in a place like Malta before? Do you see yourself in this passage, friend? You could ask yourself that question. Uh, You got to a place in life that you didn't plan on arriving You didn't plan on it. The circumstances of life's storms simply brought you there. It wasn't part of the five-year plan. Uh, You didn't have it written down in your journal. Uh, When you prayed, God never showed you this particular season in your life. And all of a sudden, you find yourself shipwrecked in a place of life that you never thought you'd be. Am I preaching to anybody today? Maybe your marriage got shipwrecked and now you're raising children or maybe grandchildren all by yourself. Maybe your career went down and now you're suddenly unemployed. Could it be that your life has run aground and now your career or your health or your finances have been dashed upon the rocks of the sea and you find yourself stuck on a desolate place, and you say, God, I never planned to come this way. Now, there's all kinds of reasons why God sends us on detours. And when we're on a detour, we often ask that question, Why, God, why did you send me this way? Well, there's several reasons that I could suggest, and I want to give you at least three, of why God sends us on detours. Notice this. Some detours are caused by disobedience. This was certainly the case of Moses. If you go to Numbers chapter 20, you'll find Moses leading the children of Israel through the wilderness. And the children of Israel cried out for thirst. They were ready to drink some water. They complained that they were dying in the wilderness and God had never let them down. And Moses in anger went to the rock, God told him, I want you to speak to the rock, and Moses got angry and he struck the rock and it made water come out of it. And Moses disobeyed God in that moment. And because of his disobedience and because of Moses misrepresenting the character of God, God sent Moses on a detour. The destination was the promised land, but because of his disobedience, God let Moses wander in the wilderness and he never got to enter the promised land. He had to see it from afar. Sometimes a detour is because of our disobedience. Some detours, though, are for our development. This was certainly the case of Joseph. You see, before Joseph became the prime minister of Egypt, God had to do a little character shaping on him. He sent him through the pit and then to the palace, and then down to the prison before he became the prime minister. And often, God will send us on a detour in order to prepare us, shape us, hone us, refine our character for a new season in life that He's preparing us for, a higher calling. And the only way He can prepare us is to send us the long way around. You see, character development takes priority over the destination. What I mean is that God is more interested in what He is doing in your heart rather than simply getting you to the next point on the map. He's more about developing the character of Christ in your life. And so some detours are caused by disobedience. And God often uses detours for our development, but then some detours are linked to our destiny. This was certainly the case for Ruth. You remember in that little book in the Old Testament, Ruth unexpectedly in chapter 1 finds herself a young widow. You talk about a detour in life. And because of her desperation, she clings to her mother-in-law Naomi, and she moves from Moab to Bethlehem in the midst of a famine. But it was that detour that allowed her to meet her future husband Boaz, the kinsman redeemer. And because of that relationship, she is connected into the lineage of the Messiah. And when you turn to Matthew chapter 1, you see little Ruth there in the lineage and heritage of the Messiah. So sometimes God uses a detour to direct us to our divine destiny. I was studying this week about the life of Ronald Reagan. What a great president Ronald Reagan was. But One of his former speechwriters, a lady named Peggy Noonan, wrote a biography about Reagan and how God sent him on a detour. It was during the Great Depression. And Reagan was struggling to find a job. The story goes that one day he saw an advertisement in the Montgomery Ward Department store. Anybody here remember Montgomery Ward Department store? They're not around anymore, but they used to exist. They had a position for a manager in the sports department, and the job was going to pay, get this, $12.50 salary a week. So Reagan applied for the job, but guess what? He didn't get it. You ever been there before? Applied for something, and you thought, man, if I get this job, I'm going to have it made, and then the door shut, and you think, God, what have you done? Well, Reagan went home and he expressed his disappointment to his mother. Praise God for godly moms. She told her son as she got out her Bible and opened to Romans 8.28, Son, you have to trust God. Read here, all things work together for good. To him that love him and are called according to his purpose. And she said, God will open up a better opportunity for you, son. And Reagan said, I believed it. After all, it came from my mother's Bible. Amen. Well, not long after that, a local radio station put out an ad for a news broadcaster in the sports. And the job, get this, paid $75 a week. Reagan applied and got the job and because of his distinctive voice, he eventually became known as the great communicator through the Midwest. And that was the first step that led him down a pathway to become a broadcaster and then in movies and then in politics and eventually all the way to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue the White House in Washington, D.C. And friend, as I read that story, I thought, what if he got that first job? It would have changed the whole direction of our country. And many, many lives would have been affected by it. Listen, friend, detours may not be part of our plan. But God sovereignly has a plan that overrules and God will give the child of God something better in the long run. You see, God is too wise to send us down the easy way of life and God is too good to send us down the wrong way of life. We just need to trust God when He sends us on a detour that He's got something in store that we can't see on down the road and He's brought us there for a purpose. Oh, lead me on from day to day. I want to walk in the holy way. Though friends forsake me all along, I ask Thee, Lord, to lead me on. Amen? Amen. So we see, number one, that a detour will take you to an unplanned place. Paul never intended to go to Malta, but that's where he found himself. Then the next lesson that we see today, number two, is this. Write it down. A divine detour can come with unwanted pain. A divine detour can come with unwanted pain. Look at what verse 3 and following says. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt, this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. Verse 6 says, And they were waiting for him to swell up and suddenly fall down dead. Wow, what a passage. Verse 6 continues, But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to Him, they changed their minds and said that He was a God. Now, you know you're on a detour, friend, in life when things unexpectedly go from bad to worse. Amen? You go down that detour road and you don't see no silver lining. Before things get better, the bottom falls out. Somebody say, Amen. Amen? I can't think of a worse predicament than being shipwrecked and snake bit. Some of you are deathly afraid of serpents, are you not? The Bible doesn't comment on this, but I wonder if the devil wasn't trying to kill Paul before he could get to Rome. And when the natives saw this old snake latch onto Paul's hand, and that he didn't get sick and that he didn't die, they concluded from their pagan superstitions that this man must be a god. Before that, they make the comment that that justice would not let him live. They thought, well, certainly he's being punished by this snake bite for some sin or evil in his life. But God had another plan. Amen? Aren't you thankful, as Brother Robert Gibson told us last week, for the but-gods of the Bible, the but-god moments in your life? when everybody wrote you off, when there was no money, when there was no hope, when there was no healing, when there was no answer, uh, but God, uh, you see, He steps in at the moment of our great need and reminds us, hey, I'm in charge of this detour. I like the way John Phillips gives an insight in his commentary here. Notice what he says. He says, quote, Perhaps Paul smiled when he heard what the islanders were saying. He knew that neither the elements had power over him nor Satan, the dark lord who stood behind all pagan gods and who doubtless would have been delighted to destroy him. He had no power. Paul knew himself to be in God's hands and Christ had already promised him safe passage to Rome. No power on earth could reverse that decree. He was immortal until his work for the Lord was done. And that work could not be completed until he preached Christ to Caesar in Rome. Amen. Now, of course, what kept Paul from dropping dead in this passage was the protective, shielding hand of God over his life. How many times has God spared your life, friend? Maybe in a car wreck, Uh, maybe in an accident where you fell down, or maybe that sickness that you recovered from, and uh, you thought this is the end, and you said, I don't know how I'll get out of this, but God protected you, but God brought you out to give you a testimony of His grace once again. Now this right here, I believe, this episode is a fulfillment of what Jesus promised in Mark 16. In verses 17 and 18 of that chapter, listen to what Jesus said. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons and they will speak with new tongues and they will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them and they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Just a side note, there's a lot of crazy fringe churches that latch onto that verse and, and say they build a doctrine around it that unless you have real faith, uh, you'll take up serpents and handle serpents. And they see that as a command rather than a prophecy that Jesus was giving about the future of the disciples and the apostles coming along. I love the Lord, amen? And I have faith, but I'm not picking up a rattlesnake because I've got good common sense. Somebody say amen. Amen. I was talking to Miss Elise a little bit earlier on in the week, and she was telling me about a preacher friend of theirs that was invited to go preach at this little country's church out in the sticks. I mean, you go to the end of civilization and turn left, and once you fall off the edge, then you may have made it. But it was this little country church out in the sticks, and this preacher arrived there. He was invited to go speak. And the head deacon come out, and he met the preacher, and he said, listen, you ought to know something before you come in here and preach. He said, we're one of those churches that believes in handling snakes. But I want you to know that our faith is so weak that we only handle rubber snakes. <laughs> oh my good, true story! You can't make that stuff up. Amen. Now don't miss a point right here. The Lord took Paul on a detour and allowed him to unwanted pain for a purpose. Amen. And the miracle of the snake bite amazed the people of Malta. And the pain then gave Paul a platform from which he could proclaim Jesus to these islanders. And he could meet their physical needs. They saw that if God could preserve this man, not only could he take care of the body, but he could take care of the soul. And sometimes, friend, when you're on that detour, the opportunity of God comes knocking as opposition. Sometimes the means through which God is going to use that detour is disguised in pain and suffering and unwanted adversity. But friend, God uses all things. You know, there's a lot of folk today living in fear. Amen? There's maybe something out there worse than the virus, and it's the fear that has gripped the hearts of so many people in this world. And I'm talking about, yes, even God's people have been gripped by a certain amount of fear because of this virus, but I see what Paul faced. And I gained courage to see, here's a guy who was beaten and left for dead. Here's a guy who was shipwrecked. Here's a man who was falsely accused. Here's a man who was beaten within an inch of his life, put in prison. Here's a man who was snake bit, and yet he said, I'm going forward. I press on toward the calling of the Lord Jesus Christ. And friend, I'm emboldened when I see the courage of Paul, because Jesus is the master of of the sea. He's the God that's on the throne. He knows the end from the beginning and everything in between and if he sends me on a detour I don't need to fear a virus. I don't need to fear this world and what the politics might be able to do to me. Why? (laughs) Because my life is in his hands child of God. Now this episode reminded me of an old Methodist circuit-riding preacher. You see, years ago in the early 1800s, before churches were really established in America, there was what they called circuit-riding preachers. These were intrepid souls who would get on horseback and ride from one little town to another and preach the gospel. Some of them would just stand on a stump in the middle of the town square and preach about Christ. And one of these men was a Methodist circuit-riding preacher named Robert Sheffy. Boy, now that guy looks like he's been rode hard and put up wet, hasn't he? He's been through a hard road before, had not he? Well, in 1839, he was meandering through the hills and hollers of Virginia. And he was called out to a cabin. True story. He had previously went to this cabin before and tried to lead this family to Jesus. But they wanted nothing to do with the gospel. Isn't it interesting how we don't want anything to do with the Lord when things are going good in life? But he was called out to this house and he rode up. As he rode up, he noticed that things were different this time. A family member had been bitten by a rattlesnake, one of the timber rattlers. And he went into the house, and here's what the historian said Sheffy sank to, on his knees and prayed this. Imagine if a preacher prayed this over you Oh Lord, we thank thee for the rattlesnakes. If it had not been for a rattlesnake, they would not have called on Jesus' name. He prayed over that family and amazingly the snake bite victim survived and the whole house came to faith in Jesus Christ. You talk about a detour of unwanted pain, but God used it. A detour may come with an unwanted pain, but we can be assured that through the pain, God will do a greater work in us and through us than we can't understand or see. And you have to understand that Paul being shipwrecked on Malta wasn't really for him. It was for the pagan people that were there because they needed to hear about the Savior. And so we see that number two, a divine detour came with unwanted pain. And it will lead you to an unplanned place. And then number three, the lesson that we learn today is this. A divine detour can lead you to an unreached people. An unreached people. Look at verse 7. Now in the neighborhood of that place, where lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days, it happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed and putting hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. And they honored us greatly. And when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed, an unreached people. Are you beginning to see, child of God, the great unfolding of God's plan now in God sending Paul to Malta? You see, God allowed Paul and company to be shipwrecked. Then He allowed Paul to be snake bit, but come away unscathed so that this reputation would spread far and wide across that little island. And knowledge of Paul's supernatural healing made it all the way to the chief man the mayor, if you will, of that island, a man named Publius. And what this did is it opened up an avenue of ministry where Paul could heal this man Publius, his father, and subsequently the rest of the natives on that island who heard about the saving work of Jesus through Paul. And so you read this and you notice that from a human perspective, it all looks accidental. Accidental. But from heaven's perspective, friend, it's providential. The Lord detoured Paul because there was an unreached people on that island and God sent Paul there for a reason to reach them so that they could hear the gospel. Listen, friend, God may detour you and me through adversity because, listen, His main goal is ministry. If God has a divine appointment for you, then He'll move weather patterns. He'll change people's hearts. He'll shift careers and plans. And He'll arrange seemingly random events in life so that you will arrive at the exact place you're supposed to be, at the exact time you're supposed to be, having dealt with hearts so that they can hear the gospel and be saved. A hey friend, if there's just one unsaved person that needs the gospel, God may detour you and me to reach them at the grocery store, at the gas station, on the side of the road, uh, someplace that your daily routine didn't take you. Uh, God pulls your card and says, Clifford, I've got an assignment for you. I'm shaking things up today because I got somebody who needs to hear about the joy and the peace that you got stored up in your. Heart. So be sure and give a good word to that person when you get there. Do you see God's movement in all of this? Notice this, friend. God has done it all through history. He interrupted Jonah's travel plans. He sent the storm and He sent the great fish to get Jonah turned around and He put him on the detour so he would go preach the mercy of God to the wicked people of Nineveh. And John 4, Jesus got on a detour. He said, I must go through Samaria. Why? Because he had a date with Destiny with a little adulterous woman there at the Samaritan well. In Acts chapter 8, God redirected Philip to the backside of a desert so that one Ethiopian man could hear the gospel and be saved. And now God has brought Paul here to Malta to save lives And so, oh friend, don't you see it? It's not accident, it's appointment. There's design in his detour. God's hand has already charted the course over stormy seas and through deep valleys. He ain't abandoned you yet. And He's not about to start, child of God. Uh, there is wisdom when He sends you on the long way around. Hey, here's the application to you and me. This is what it's all about. Are you listening? Don't miss this. How merciful was God when He sent somebody to you in your out-of-the-way place? How good was God not to leave you abandoned in that desolate land where there was no hope, where there was no Jesus, where there was no answer, but God sent somebody on a detour so that you could be found, so that you could hear about Jesus. How amazing was God's grace when He said, I'm leaving the 99 so I can go reach... That one that nobody cares about. That everybody else has written off. I'm seeking and going to save the lost. You see friends, this is how much my God loves sinners. God loves sinners so much that He'll change plans. He'll send storms. He'll cause delays and detours. So that a whosoever will, will have a chance to hear about this great Savior. And friend, if He did it for you, if He detoured somebody to come along your path, why don't we allow God to have a little freedom and room in our lives to change up our life from time to time so that we might reach somebody else? That's the whole point of the detour. Leave room for God to work in the events of your life. He may be sending you to a Malta, not just for you, but for somebody else. Finish with this. In 1921, there was a mission couple from Sweden. Their names were David and Siva Flood. They were in the Congo, modern day Zaire. Their goal was to plant a church in this dark continent. The first year they were there, they didn't see a single convert. Nobody got saved. The area was hostile. The natives were steeped in all manner of paganism and witchcraft and black magic. But there was one little boy who would come to the home of the floods every day. He would knock on the door and sell Mrs. Siva eggs every day. Mrs. Flood would then take the time in that exchange to tell him about the love of Jesus. Well, Miss Flood became pregnant. She gave birth to a little girl named Anna, pictured there. Siva got sick. And 17 days after giving birth, she died on the mission field. Mr. Flood was absolutely heartbroken. He decided he could not go on on the mission field any longer. And so, with no way to provide for the baby, no way to feed the baby, he gave his daughter Anna up to another missionary couple that wasn't far away and to a mom who was also nursing. He gave up his daughter and said, You raise her. And so, that couple that received Anna went home. Their names were Arthur and Anna Burge. They decided... Well, this is no place to raise a newborn. So they left. They came back to South Dakota here in America. And there they raised Anna. Well, in time, Anna grew up. She married a Christian man who was a preacher. Thirty years went by. Anna and her preacher husband went to attend a Bible conference in London, England. And the focus that year of the mission conference was on Africa, about getting the Gospel to the continent of Africa. And she noticed on the bulletin that day as they arrived at the conference that the keynote speaker that day was a well-known preacher from the country of Congo. And as she heard this African pastor get up and share about what God was doing there in Africa, he told of hundreds of churches being planted and 110,000 baptisms that had taken place just in the churches of the Congo. And as she... Listened to this pastor, this black African pastor speak. She realized there could be a possibility that he grew up in the same village where my parents ministered. And so after the message was given, Anna Flood went up and met this African pastor. And she asked him, she said, what's the name of the village where you grew up? And he told her. And it happened to be the same village where David and Siva Flood had been planted so many years ago. And then Anna asked, did you happen to know two white missionaries, Dave and Siva Flood, who lived there? And the African pastor said, oh yes. He said, as a little boy, I used to go every day and sell eggs on the back porch to Miss Flood. And then he said this, I don't know if that dear woman ever saw a single convert while she was in Africa. She died before I could tell her, but she shared Jesus with me, and I became a Christian through her ministry. The pastor said, I also know that the floods had a baby girl. And I often wondered, what ever happened to that little girl? (laughs) Oh, it was a detour, friend. Don't you see it? God's design in that big, long detour of 30-some years. Anna was now sobbing. She said, I'm that little baby girl. That was me. That was my mama. They embraced. And finally, the African pastor said this. He said, I want you to know, just a few weeks ago, I put flowers on your mother's grave for the hundreds of And thousands of people who came to know Jesus because of her faithfulness, she reached me and I reached one. And it spread like wildfire. And then he said this, Thank you for letting your mother die so that so many of us Africans could live. Friend, there's design in the detour. We find it difficult to understand the detour in which God sends us But it's only afterward, when we've been on that road for a while, we can look back and say, I was meant to go there. I had to go there. Thank God for the detour. Amen.